I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Mankara. I need external validation, so I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. <laughs> and I am director of the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge, and that requires no validation at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 bye. God love the brat. What? Do you want to try that vocal again? Me? Yeah, cracked No, that's just emotion. That's emotion in my voice. It's fine. You have a little bit of crackage in your vocals. Otherwise, I mean, you know, you don't want to sound like a robot. You really want to put your heart and soul into it. I mean, sure. Why not? I'll defer. I'll defer to your uh, superior vocals. Clearly, oh, I don't. Hi, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> we still got to get I Charlie see. to Charlie going to spit a sixteen at some point. Never going to happen. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? How have been this this week? Uh week's been shitty, but I came back to hip hop numbers. So you know, whatever, man. Yeah. Like I, you know, I'm gonna. This is this is an anxiety power user tip. Okay, when you're very, very anxious about really big things, then do something that gives you a little bit of less anxiety. Like, I'm less anxious about being on hip-hop numbers than I am about other things going on in my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw myself back into hip-hop numbers. Yes, it will make me anxious, but it won't be as bad as the anxiety I was already going through. So it has actually been a positive. It's, it's very anxiety-provoking, but people have been very nice. And shout-out to everyone who has sent me messages of support. Like, there's been... Well, at least 500, I reckon. People DMing me, people replying. It's been amazing. So I really, really appreciate that. It is, um, it's been very helpful, very helpful. So yeah, back on Hip Hop Numbers, man. I'm going to be back for a while. So see how it goes. I got into this probably my biggest week in a long time because I did the, the new release uh, thing. Um, so I had heaps of stuff to listen to. Piñata Deluxe by Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. Like the fuck did this come from just popped up on spotify randomly it's four hours of music that to be fair we probably did not need but i'm not really complaining about it okay i'm not complaining about it we got cocaine parties which was the the absolute standout i am going to be 100 percent honest i never really understood the obsession with freddie gibbs but it is definitely opening up to me now because i think technically he is one of the most gifted mcs in existence at the moment the way he slips into Kanye's flow on that song, uh, which is the No More Parties in LA kind of remix. Um, and he just delivers an entirely different line of content. Party, party, party. It's, it's just like, it really showcases his ability. Uh, I think it's the way also that he's led the revival of this grungy hip-hop era where lo-fi beats with loop samples have now become high art, like genuinely high art. Like I've seen the prices for... Griselda vinyl is just going through the roof, man. And, you know, I think you could place a lot of the inspiration squarely at the feet of Freddie Gibbs because he was doing this in the mainstream quite a while back, like early 2010s, you know. 
And um, yeah, I mean, this this is like a four-hour mega mix. It's just kind of there's some instrumentals here, which is always welcome when it's Mad Lib. There's some random remixes in here. Uh, the Beatles used to do this shit all the time, and they add, added slightly different versions to historical releases. It's a common, very common thing in rock music, and I'm very happy to see it pop back up uh, or pop up for the first time, really, in hip-hop. I'm sure people have done it before, but I want this to be a, a more of a regular thing because it's one of those things that you just put on, put on repeat. Freddie Gibbs gets 80 spins and gets some money into his pockets, and you know we all go home happy at the end of the day. Uh, the editions, yeah. I like deluxe editions, man. We got uh, Snakes and Ladders by Be careful Chip. what you wish for. Sorry, what was that? So be careful what you wish for. Well, hey, man, it doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't hurt anyone. If it's out there, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Snakes and Ladders by mm-hmm. Chip. I, I didn't actually uh, spin that when it dropped, but um, this is going to be a very British week mm. for me. So he dropped a while back. I just got to it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think anyone artist who goes from see-through to ignite is going to, it's going to win a special place in my rotation because is you know, there's drill music here, like 100K, Tropical House stuff, like Give give Tanks. Uh, tanks, I know I said tanks in such a terrible way. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reading what it says on the... I'm not trying to do the slang, guys. I'm not trying to do the lingo. Uh, we've got R&B numbers, like we've got Top Shelf R&B song. I really think that Chip is putting forth a claim to be one of the most diverse MCs in this realm. You know, like I really, uh, this is a very diverse mm. release. It's very all over the place. And if you don't like that, if you want an immersive listen, stay tuned because there's some stuff on here that, that is. But yeah, I didn't really enjoy the Young MA track. Um, I feel like Young MA may have stagnated a little bit and I feel like she needs to maybe explore some new content. But that's really the only thing I didn't like about this album. It's a really solid release, definitely worth a listen. On the Third Day by El Camino. I mean, what were we expecting from this album? Like, it's, it's, how could it be anything other than great? Like, I, I just don't think this this person has missed in so long. It's, it's really uncanny. He really mixes trauma and pain, but also with the celebration and acknowledgement of hard work and dedication, which is not easy. It's not easy. And these beats sound like freaking Mob Deep in, in 95. Like, this is, uh, it was Tricky Trips did the production. So shout out to that. He, to me, feels like the forgotten man in this revival of the subgenre. You know, we've got Griselda, we've got Baldy, we've got Flea Lord, 38 Special, obviously Freddie Gibbs. They get the major plaudits, but I feel like El Camino is incredibly consistent, dropping regular product. It's always good. It's a difficult balance to juggle. He, he does it well. Uh, Eat Your Heart Out by Dro Kenji. Really enjoyed this. Uh, he sounds a lot like Juice World, but I'm not mad at that at all, man. It's not Juice World. Rest in peace, Juice World. It's not easy to replicate that. Um, there's a lot of emotional stretches, a lot of strained refrains. There's some fun stuff here. Pink Paper Daisy is pretty fun. Mostly, it's pretty downward-facing content. Kind of dives into the paradoxical coldness of human emotion. Uh, explores like the anxiety and pain of exposing your own vulnerability only to have it invalidated. I know that sounds intense. This kind of stuff is intense, man. This kind of music is pretty intense. Uh, Kill Cupid, especially, very pain track. thought the first track was the best. Um, I like it, man. I like it a lot. Who's Watching by LD. I'd never heard of LD before a few days ago, and wow, man, 31 songs, 11, 31 minutes, sorry, 11 songs. It's a fucking monster, this. It's a monster. It sounds like the soundtrack to Top Boy. Like Some of it's really, really challenging to listen to. 
really challenging. LD slips into these bars about PTSD, uh, his annoyance at the way that his life has, has been funneled into you know the actions and the consequences of those actions and his attempts to make a living. It's it's difficult to listen to and. You know, there's a lot of storytelling on here. Uh, the Ride Out is an example. Really good song. Reminds me of Backseat Freestyle a little bit by Kendrick, but it had a lot more menace to it. And um, yeah, LD treads a line between describing really harsh conditions by allowing his vulnerability to, to poke through that. And uh, it's enough to, to gather a lot of empathy. And um, it's an album of year contender so far for me. I, I've gone back to this three times. I've really uh, thought it was a good project. Digger D, uh, Made in the Pyrex. So I didn't think this was as good as the LD album, but it's still menacing, it's still aggressive. Uh, it doesn't really have any stitch marks, if that makes sense. It's very cohesive. I like his flow a lot. I think he really exudes personality in a way that isn't just the vulnerability that Drill is starting to display. You know, there's a lot of vulnerability in this kind of music, uh, which you could call personality, and it is. But uh, Digger D's got like, you know, more personality on top of that. Like his cadences are switched up often to, he conveys new directions when he does that. I think that's really a cool technique. A lot of conversation provoking tracks, clout is killing people, trust issues, toxic. You know, you can talk about those songs. Solid mix of emotion, awareness, and menace. So Made in the Pyrex, like that album. Collection Agency by Currency. I can't say anything except this is just great, man. Reviewing current new currency music is like reviewing your favorite meal at your local restaurant every single time you eat it. It's not changing. <laughs> it's just always awesome. It's the same, man. And you go back to that restaurant, you order the same fucking thing. You look down the menu, you're like, oh, you're like currency, fuck it. Put on the plate. It's just, it's his 91st project since 2004. He averages four, 5.4 projects per year, man. Unbelievable. And it's a good project. Uh, fuck, man. We've got a lot of projects here. Holy shit. Rome Streets, DJ Muggs. Um, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Uh, didn't really go back to it again. There's some tracks here I'll put in regular rotation. Prayers Over Packages, Ace of Swords, Halo, good songs. Uh, the production is exactly what I expected. It just didn't really hit me the way it normally does. Maybe it was a mixing. I don't know, but um, it's still solid. Uh, Drake here, the ruler, the truth hurts. I don't understand why he didn't, Drake here, the ruler, didn't just do what he did on the Drake track. Like, the Drake track is amazing, and Drake here, the ruler, is is really, he has these almost whispered vocals, which are on beat, they're mixed within the beat, very melodic, and it's amazing. The rest of the tape was different to that, you know? It's, it's not bad, but it wasn't my vibe at the time, uh, because his vocals feel like they're mixed way above the beat, and I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It, it didn't make a lot of sense to me why he didn't do what he did on the Drake. The Drake song's great. So um, it's not an unlistenable release at all. But yeah, just that confused me a little bit. Uh, we got Duke Juice, Duke Nukem. I fucking love Duke Juice. Like He always re- drops fun projects. Well, I don't know. Actually, he drops fun projects. I've only heard this project, but his music prior has always been fun. And his trademark flow is really unique. It, it doesn't he doesn't change it very often, but it doesn't really get tired. His ad lib is great. What the fuck? Every time you hear that, you can't help but fucking say it, man. It's, it's kind of weird when you got other people in the car. It's really embarrassing. But um, yeah, man, the beats here are clean. Content isn't gonna win the Pulitzer. Okay, he's not gonna he's not gonna become again the songwriters Hall of Fame with this. But it doesn't matter, man. I I felt good driving around the other day with this. It, 
really loud volume levels, getting weird looks from everyone I drove past. Um, I had my windows up, but to be clear, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that has the windows down and the, the music cranked. Okay, I'm too old for that now. I'm 32. Maybe when I was 17, I'm 32 now. But yeah, I like that. And finally, End of the Earth by Mavi. Uh, man, the beats are just really ornate on here. They're, they're like 1930s high art. And the, the, the weird thing about Mavi, but the great thing is he doesn't really slip into pockets very often. He kind of flits in and out of different flows. And he gives me battle rapper vibes or maybe even like spoken word poetry vibes. Like it's not in the sense of aggression or his content, but his energy. Because it sounds like he's rapping a cappella. He's not delivering punchlines, but he's delivering like topics and musings and and philosophical ideas. And then someone just puts a beat under them. It's fucking great, man. Like Town Crier is, is this really beautiful ambient piece. Mavi shows no regard for flow or melody. And that contrast creates a really affecting listen. And I think he's really underrated. He took that whole grungy SoundCloud underground style and put it into a perfect package with a really... It's a nuanced spin on it, but it's like a lyrical and a socially conscious one. And he was mentored by Earl, and it sounds like it. You know, he, he does sound like Earl at times. Um, but he's also studying neuroscience, and he lists no name as an influence. And um, yeah, man, I think this is a must listen. Uh, I really enjoyed this project. So yeah, man, fucking hell. That's what I listen to. There's a lot of stuff in there, but um, <laughs> pay yourself, Charlie, shit. Oh, lucky for you guys, I only listened to four. <laughs> I was I, I did have six, but um, I only got to four. Anyway, shout out to uh, Jazz Spastics, Camera of Sound. Oh, this is so clean. This is so clean. Uh, so this is a UK duo. Uh, apparently, they took like six, seven years to create this. Um, it is just OP jazz boom bap. Like, it's just absolute heaters from start to finish. It is so freaking clean to listen to. It's just, oh, it's just so... It's just super satisfying. If you want that jazz boom bap, like all them beats, good features, uh, call Keith, uh, Craig G is on here to name a few. Uh, uh, it's just, it just bangs, it just bangs like this. And there's such such great samples and just refrains and then the beat comes in at random times. Uh, so it's, it just keeps you on your toes. It's, so, it's such a good uh, such a good album to listen to. Shout out to them, one of the best of this year. Uh, D, uh Made in a Pyrex. Um... It's 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 cool. It's cool. Um, I'm not exactly the biggest drill fan of all time. Um, but I do. But I will say what I do like about drill is it has uh the energy of grime. Uh, maybe not as sustained as it as it as grime usually what uh, as grime was. Um, and I feel like drill for me as a sound like is all can already be. Like you can immediately already say that it's starting to get stale, like in terms of just how some of the beats go. Um, but for this project, I say, you know, it starts off really decently. Um, you know, you got the AJ Tracy feature on uh, that, that 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 song's in the regular rotation immediately. Uh, love that track, uh, the one with the uh, uh, D, uh, millions uh, uh, straight after no chorus at bangs. Uh, but yeah, when, when it gets deeper into it, um, the, the songs for me get a bit more like half-baked as the word term I use. Cause there's a, I, I mean, the perfect example is, um, uh, which one is it? A uh, gunman sound, right? So this is, this is a track, right? That has a chorus that go, that's, I'm sorry, this chorus ain't, ain't it to me. Like, bat, bat, that's how the shotgun sounds. 
that's how the Mac 10 sounds. Way, 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 way. That's how the Nina sounds. And when he drops to the ground, man, gonna get more. Man, gonna get more rounds. Bap, bap. That's how shotgun sounds. Like literally, is that's it. That's the chorus right there, and it's one verse. Like, I'm, I'm, and then another chorus and an outro. I'm, I mean, that screams half baked to me. Uh, to that, but that's just me personally. And it's the same with a couple of other tracks. Like, I love Window. I love the uh, the um, I love the Jamaican ele- uh, the Caribbean elements to this. Uh, the Bashman elements. Uh, but the but it's just so short. It's just so short. It's just one verse and then a chorus and an outro again. It's just. I don't know. I feel like there could have been way more to it, uh, to the whole album itself. Like the first half goes okay, and then it just breaks down into like vignettes of ideas. And uh, yeah, I feel like it could have been better on that front. But uh, yeah, you know, Stig a D, uh, some good tracks on there. Uh, definitely worth a listen, of course. Uh, what is up next? Currency collection agency. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly what well, Ben uh, Ben says. Honestly, it's like it's literally just like it's, it's a Big Mac, like like you know what a Big Mac is, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just, <laughs> you can't, you can't just, you don't describe a Big Mac to someone, like, they know what it is, like, it's, it's a couple of beef patties, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bun in the middle, there's a bun on top of the bottom, it might be some pickles in there, some lettuce and some sauce, like, it's, 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 it's Big Mac, <laughs> it's literally Big Mac, so, uh, just this is the first track, which is literally just him talking about smoking fruit in a car, uh, and through the sunroof, that's literally it, weed, cars, that's currency in my mind, but there's some great tracks in there. I think uh, what's the what's the, what's, the, what's that one track? Uh, I think I forget the name off the top of my head, but that that, that track bangs. Uh, let me get it right up right quick. Uh, let's see if I can right quick. First I track. Stop talking. Kush. No, so uh, smiled on me. Second track, smiled oh. on me. Yeah, so First I think it's like DJ fine. Fresh, DJ Fresh production on that DJ one. Fresh, and I think DJ Harry Ford's on the production. DJ Fresh. DJ Fresh. Yeah, exactly. So so. That's, that's a great track. And uh, lastly, Casey Veggie, CG Fave. Oh, I missed um, this. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I feel like this in... Uh, take it take it how... Take this opinion how you feel, uh, whether you think it's negative or positive. Uh, but I find this album as the quintessential 2021 uh, rap album. Um, it's, if, if someone asked me, what's like the most... What's the most raps rap album of 2021 what does that sound like you know what i mean just what what's the what's the album that sounds like 2021 and uh you know and the years past uh, that has you know influenced it i feel like this is the album for it like it and it's funny because i remember you saying when i when i uh when we listened to the nappy high album you were saying on one track i think it was charismatic where you're like was currency on one of these tracks and i was like no he's not featured it was Casey Veggies. <laughs> yeah. It was Casey Veggies, and I knew, and I knew that because on some of these tracks, it sounds a little bit like Currency. Not in terms of like, um, uh, just purely off like vocal tone, but uh, and honestly, not in uh, terms of a uh, uh, subject matter. But it, it, it does just a little bit sound a bit like Currency. Um, you know, cool features on here. Uh, Tink on the last track, D Smoke, Wiz Khalifa from Paper Cuts is banging. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm just, I, I just feel. I, I don't know it's like this is a quintessential rap album but not in like the uh not in like the perfection kind of way it's just it's just there yeah. <laughs> it's got some decent beats you know decent vocals decent uh decent whatever except there was one track that sounded like he recorded it in his uh like closet uh but apart from that yeah uh, it might have been gorgeous i think but yeah it's cool it's a cool album. Give it a listen. I mean, it's, yeah. And I feel like Casey Veggie's on, on one front, on the identity front. I'm not really sure, like, when I say Casey Veggie's, what do you think about? You know what I mean? I feel like he's one of those artists as well. Um, so, yeah, that's another uh, thing I'd shout out. But anyway, 
Lucky for you, there's only four this week <laughs> compared to Ben's fucking 20 million. Uh, but yeah, we shall get into the topic of this episode and the topic of the overall topic of the next five episodes is happy Women's History Month to one and all. And uh, if you guys were privy to this time last year, uh, we started basically this thing where every episode for the, uh, for the month of March... Uh, we decided to celebrate Women's History Month by doing retrospectives on certain female artists, and uh, we gave the we gave the five uh, l- last week at the end of last week. If you want to, you know, s- a spoiler for what they are, go for it. But uh, it's not that deep. Uh, but um, yeah, this is a uh, first week, and we are starting with uh, uh, an artist that I feel has been, um, you know, kind of like thrown into lost a little bit by history in some ways um but once i personally listened to her music i could understand why in some ways and i can and i'll, I'll expand on that later on as we go uh but this week uh, we are starting with debrett uh hailing from chicago but uh, <laughs> the music is uh, far from that uh, for most of the time we will get into that of course uh yeah uh, queen of so so deaf in some ways uh obviously the jermaine dupri uh uh uh, uh, label throughout the 90s and the 2000s uh, and yeah it's it's, it's the brat <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah so for, I think we have we do have five albums but I, I I don't know if you found the last album I remember you said a screenshot of it I did not find that album I don't I saw it on Discogs as a promo CD so I have I couldn't right. find any mention of it on the internet so I have no idea what that project is but um, mm. I don't know okay. that it exists so yeah Right, okay, no, okay, fair enough. But yeah, so we have four, um, spanning from the early 90s to uh, 2003, I think. Uh, so yeah, we have an interesting uh, interesting case study for this week. And uh, yeah, without further ado, head off to Sydney, Australia, and uh, see what Ben's got for us. Yeah, I want to speak about Debrat. Uh, just, I want to give a little bit of context, and, and I want to place her in the appropriate place in history, because... I had never listened to Debrat prior to researching this episode. And I'm like texting Charlie like, what the fuck have I been doing not listening to her this whole time? And why haven't I been listening to her? Because her music is great, really great. She was at the forefront of a hip-hop process that is now so entrenched, we don't even really think about it anymore. But at the time, it was really burgeoning with these two legendary partnerships. And this is the idea of a producer slash an executive taking an artist under their wing and nurturing their ability so they can fly on their own. And I don't mean the way that a label throws money at whatever they think is going to pop next. I mean, that happens all the time. It's happened with Lil Nas X. It happened with CJ, who I talked about last week. So I'm thinking about Diddy and Biggie, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre and Eminem, Lil Wayne and Drake, Lil Wayne and Nicki Minaj. You know, it's Jay-Z and countless people, Bleat, Beans, all these people, Emil. It's a narrative that's been played out so many times, but Debrat was at the beginning of it. Okay, Debrat has been there. She she started her career in '92. It's a long, long time ago. It was right at the start of the commercial rise of hip hop. She's the first solo female rapper to go platinum. Uh, she basically became the blueprint for solo female rappers to follow. You know, we talk about Queen. We've done an episode on Queen Latifah, and I recognize that Queen Latifah was incredibly commercially successful and she was in the mainstream but queen latifah ended up being in charge of a label queen latifah was 
a singer as well. They're all it's a it's a socially conscious, a different kind of artist. Not everyone can emulate what Queen Latifah did. You need Lauren Hill levels of skill to do that. I'm not saying DeBrat isn't skilled. I'm saying they're just in different lanes and DeBrat was one of the first in this lane. Of course we had Salt and Pepper, but that was a group. So I think that if you listen to her music and read her interviews, it's really apparent that she didn't try and change herself in order to be successful. She was just a brat. And I think that's a really important part of this episode. I think she showed that women didn't have to pander to men to have success on the same level. Now, again, Queen Latifah, Salt and Pepper, these artists had already done this prior. But this was the first time that an artist had come into this whole uh, Jermaine Dupree, I'm the producer, I'm the executive, I'm going to make you successful, I'm going to lay out your blueprint, I'm going to create your marketing plan. And DeBrat became hugely uh, influential in this because Jermaine Dupree said in interviews that he was trying to work out how to market DeBrat. He was like, how do I get men to listen to her? And he said that the first album that she released, Functified, was incredibly difficult for him because he couldn't figure it out. He was trying to work out this roadmap. In the end, he realized he just needed to let DeBrat be DeBrat. And as we go through this process and go through these albums, it's kind of scary to see what happened. And it's kind of amazing to see how headstrong DeBrat was this entire time. Firstly, how technically gifted she was, but also how unique and individual she was and how that eventually just overwhelmed everything else. It overwhelmed the marketing. It overwhelmed you know, all this other bullshit that uh, gets gets placed on women in hip-hop. You have to be sexy, you have to appeal to men, you have to do that. And yeah, DeBrat kind of played those games early on, but it was always on her terms, and it ended up just being her by the end of it. And anyway, I hope that we can get, get that point across as we go further in. She was originally a choir singer. Uh, she actually learned seven different brass instruments in school, she played the piano and the drums for the church choir. So when I said before, man, you know, she was talented. She was very talented. Uh, she graduated from a continuation charter school in 92, and she set about pursuing her rap career. I don't really understand this confliction about what happens next because there's two conflicting stories. One is told by DeBrat, and one is the, you know, accepted narrative. So the traditional story, the accepted one, which is written everywhere, seems to be that she won a Yo! MTV Rap-sponsored talent show. She won $50 and a chance to meet Criss Cross. When she met Criss Cross, they subsequently invited her to come watch them on Oprah. Then she met Jermaine Dupree because Jermaine Dupree was, uh, had signed Criss Cross. You know, he's in charge of all that. The Bratz version is completely different. She says, and she said this in 2020, she had a friend who hooked her up with tickets to this Oprah show uh, and that Criss Cross were being interviewed. She also, I think she said Mark Wahlberg was there, Marky Mark, remember Marky Mark, yeah, it was a real thing. Uh, <laughs> JD told DeBrat, so they met, and JD told DeBrat that he wanted to hear her rap, but only in Atlanta, which was a problem, as obviously she's from Chicago and she had no money. So she said the same friend that gave her the tickets to Oprah flew her out to Atlanta. Even then, she said it was a struggle. She said she she stalked JD, called him hundreds of times, tried to get his attention. So DeBrat's stuck in this hotel, running out of money, running up phone bills. She finally gets the call back, just as she's about to leave. JD comes, picks her up from the hotel, and she ends up getting signed. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter what version of that is true, but I just found that really weird. I found that weird. I mean, they're, they're two completely different stories. But... um. 
it seems like Jermaine Dupree and DeBrat can be quite really close really quickly. Uh, on the podcast she was on with um, Candy Burris, the singer in Xscape. I don't know how to pronounce it. X Scape. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Escape, but it's Xscape. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I, they was they were signed so so deaf, you know. So um, she said that DeBrat was always JD's favorite and still is to this day, and that they had a really friendly relationship. Now, apparently, the idea was to market her as the female Snoop Dogg. Now, I texted Charlie earlier in the week about this. I'm like, I think that she must have been on with Snoop at the start because Functified sounds exactly like a Snoop album. And then mm-hmm. after that, the next album sounds like a So So Deaf album. The whole thing was So So Deaf, man. It was like, yeah, so th- that was the idea. Now, JD said, he's, as I said, he found it difficult to create the album. He said, men didn't want to be caught riding around listening to a female rapper. I don't know why he didn't just let her put out music that women would enjoy, but he didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I mean, to be to be fair to Jermaine Dupree, the fact he was laser-focused on marketing her to a male audience, he doesn't seem to have tried to force her into over-sexualizing her image. And, you know, in the end, it was obviously DeBrat uh, being herself that most appealed to people. But, um, yeah, man, I, I just found that, that backstory really fast. There's not a lot of information on DeBrat out there. There's not a lot of long interviews. She hasn't done, you know, big podcasts and stuff like that, which really surprises me because she was so commercially successful and she was, you know, a pioneer in her own way. And I, I just don't understand the lack of information. But, um... It's interesting, man. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting backstory. Yeah, I feel uh, the uh, the actual the story she tells in terms of just how um, she got signed is interesting. I feel like the ones the one that is uh, uh, widely accepted is just much more simple. I won a competition. Jermaine Dupree saw uh, saw her skills or whatever, and she he was like, "Yeah, go for it." And I get I get what you mean in terms of just like uh, why. Jermaine was so laser focused, but um, I find it interesting you go down the road of him letting DeBrat just be DeBrat. I feel like that. I feel like that's half right. Um, but I do feel like Jermaine Dupree had a, and you know, considering that you put him in the same uh lane as someone like you know Puff, right? I I I could firmly see i can firmly agree with that right um because it, it, it just when, when this is it, my thing is when i listen to the music right and i got and i went through the arms this week right i i came i came out of it uh i came out of listening to these works uh feeling like lyrically and just in terms of like what she wanted to talk about i can see the debrat authenticity mm-hmm. but in terms of sound yeah. i have no idea what sh- oh, her man. sound is you if that makes on. any sense yeah you're spot on i have no idea because you got you, we're going to go across the arms of course as we always do but the just it was so jarring going to like one thing to the next next thing every album sounds different and that's and i don't think that's from uh, i'm not saying that from a like a, oh Jermaine Dupree was an experimental son of a bitch like it wasn't it wasn't like that it was more about what's the sound this year all right let me do that <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm sorry i i generally think like it was like carbon copy and shit like cuz I mean, like you said, like the, the, when, and I don't know if you want to just jump into Funkified right now, because um, 
Well, just before we do, feel, just before we do, how then. do you well, well, like? You know, when I said because uh, I really want to frame her in regards to history. How do you view right. her legacy, and how do you view uh, her position? Because because you know she was right at the forefront of this. You know, and yeah. she is different yeah. to Queen Latifah. She is different to Salt and Pepper. So, um, yeah. MC Light. You know, how do you view that? Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna I was gonna save that for the end, but since okay. you asked question, I'll okay. just go for it now. Yep. But um, yeah, I feel like the reason why she is not in put into the lexicon of those particular artists. Is because there was some Jermaine Dupri was right fucking there all the time. Um, I, that's just that's just how I feel. I, okay. I I I think that because like Queen Latifah doesn't have any actual like you know person. It, it's just Queen Latifah. It's just MC Light. Um, even with like someone like Salt and Pepper, which re- they recently had like a a Lifetime series that was a uh, you know disputed by Spinderella and that and all that and all that stuff. You know they had a producer. I forgot Boss Man's name, but they had a producer that uh, I think one of them dated him uh, after you know during during that uh, during that span, if I remember correctly. So you know there's that. Um, but I feel like the reason why she's not put in the same lexicon as 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 the other ladies is. I I I I simply think she's just part of like Jermaine's legacy and not her own. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like she's too, I, I feel like she's too tied to Jermaine Dupri. It's like Jermaine Dupri discovered it, and like you like you said, like the 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 over the overriding you know accepted quote unquote story that is uh, about her come up is that Jermaine Dupri gave her the key, uh, or or just open helped her open a door, and you know and through some of the uh, I, I didn't i couldn't get the credits for all these albums uh but i know for the second album specifically um uh, jermaine dupree was there on the writing credits uh w- along with the brat um so i could only assume that he was there for functified and uh we can take a guess at the, the third and fourth um but yeah i i just that's kind of just where i come from with with that and i feel like that's the only way but also, I feel like another side of that um, is because Debrat, as a as a lyricist and as a uh, gen and as an artist, is really hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Like, like for, throughout <clears throat> throughout the first album, obviously very Snoop Dogg kind of a uh, kind of uh, flow to it. Uh, a lot of weed mention uh, stuff like that. You know, it's 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 very obvious. Um, but you know, she goes, even though the, um, the visual images change on like the albums themselves, like the first, the first album artwork is much different from the, uh, uh, the nightclubs one, mm-hmm. uh, it's super different right there. J- just go fire that. Like that's 10 years and the, the, the visuals themselves are, are very, very different. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, her, she has so many uh, 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 ways of going about things, I think, in terms of her lyrics and what she talks about. It's very hard to actually pin her down. Like, with Clean the Teeth, you can pin you can, you can can pin that down, quote-unquote, right? With Salt and Pepper, you can pin that down. With Kim, with Foxy, with Eric, with many others, you can pin it down. Um, Debrat goes a lot, a, a lot of different ways with her, uh, with what she talks about. And uh, I kind of find that very unique about her. Um, and that's just something I wanted to shout out because, uh, honestly, she comes when 
I can criticise the actual just the sound of all of her music and how I feel like Dupree just had way too much of a foot in that um, and just basically went with whatever's hot at that point. Um, her her subject matter is just so original, I feel, um, and that's something I can give uh, you know her credit and uh, I guess in some ways Jermaine Dupree credit as well. So um, yeah. If that answers your question of of why, because I just feel like it's, it's she's harder to pin down um, than the rest. Um, the others have their own, uh, you know, brand so to speak. Like Salt and Pepper were like the super confident, super mm. sexy uh, Queen Latifah had the you know Afro uh, 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 vibe to it, but also just the independent women and like you know empowerment kind of thing. Um, Kim Foxy had the super energetic super energetic sexy type like i'm gonna throw my pum in your face kind of kind of <laughs> kind of stuff you love that and mc word, light man. had just had the throw the pum in your face mate yeah, uh, yeah man gotta got love a woman that throws the pum in the face uh can't hate on that can't hate on that <laughs> 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 you know mc light uh you know pen game uh yeah. you know uh kind of girl next door kind of kind of vibe as well um so yeah those are easy to pin. Those are easy to quote unquote pin down and put a and put like a, a paragraph on them. Like how how do you how would you describe those eyes for Debrat? A lot of things, bro. Like mm. <laughs> a lot of things you can you can describe that. But we'll 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 try and go through uh, some of those themes obviously as we go. So uh, yeah, hope that answers your question. That's perfectly said. You know, I felt a little bit uncomfortable with me like comparing her to Queen Latifah and then acting like Queen Latifah was better than her or whatever i didn't want to come make that come across but you said it exactly oh, yeah, right yeah. you said it exactly right you know i've actually written in the functified section i think jd did her a huge disservice on this album and the way that you put it i think he did her a huge disservice on the first two three albums and maybe that was terminal for her legacy in that sense you know so okay so let's go with functified and explain to me on that one because because uh, obviously that's the most that's the that's a that's the most populous work um, and most I th- I th- if you correct me if I'm wrong like uh, critically acclaimed so it is why yeah. why why did the pre do a disservice in your opinion okay well I think this is really overt on this one so yeah I mean or her I think uh, she had an album that went unrestricted went number five so this went eleven but it did go platinum it has very favorable reviews um, JD yeah. has claimed that he wrote most of the verses on this album but he also said it was the last time he would write most of her work uh he and manuel seal handled all the production okay and the idea to make the brat the female snoop dog snoop dog failed to me so the beats are just pure west coast which i find very interesting considering the brat is from chicago and jd was raised yep. in atlanta now the yep. brat's ability was overt on this release you know, the second track, for example, the way she delivers that chorus is so reminiscent of Snoop Dogg on What's My Name that it's uncanny. Okay, the thing is, Snoop Dogg was often menacing, that's true. The brat is way more aggressive. You know, even on weed tracks like Fire It Up, she doesn't... She it, That's why I think that JD did her a disservice. So, like, Made a Funk Be Witcher is such a Dr. Dre ripoff, it's almost comical. It's, it's oh, yeah, like, yeah, bro, yeah. what are we doing here? Ain't no thing, the exact same. Synth riff in the background is just chronic. It is just the chronic. The cadence yeah. has mm-hmm. a rapping in, is such a mimic of Snoop. It'd be scary <laughs> if it were anyone other than Debrat. But to me, yeah. I keep hearing her personality explode out from behind the facade of Snoop Dogg. 
And I find that amazing. To me, it's like she was always going to be a star. She didn't need this gimmick. She didn't need it. And, you know, whilst it probably made for a really palatable experience for hip-hop fans back in 1994, you know, we know JD was trying to find a way to make the brat sound relevant to male rap fans. It's a disservice to her in the long run, man, because I find it really difficult to go back to this album. And that kind of sucks because it's a solid album. If this were another entrance into the G-Funk lexicon, then it'd be no real issue. You know, like if this was a Warren G album, if this was a DJ Quick album, it's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. But I think because it tried so hard to get inducted, I can see the sweat JD put into crafting a G-Funk beat and writing bars that sound like Snoop. (laughs) It just pisses me off a little bit because the brat, you know, I, I said later on here, I'll say it now because we've gotten into it early. The brat, is exactly like what happened when I graduated and got my grad job. And I went into a company in marketing and I did a little bit of everything in the company before I was allowed to you know, continue on in the marketing role that I was originally hired for. So in Australia, yeah. I don't know if this happens in other countries, but when we start a new graduation position, it's called a grad role. So we start and then we do you know, a few months yep. in each different department so that we understand how the business works. We learn it, we become competent at it. And so that when we do our job, we better understand how everyone else is doing their job. I ended up not getting the job because you're only on probation. And if you do shitty in that part, you don't get hired. And I didn't get fucking hired because I was shit at all that stuff. I was bad. The brat <laughs> nailed all of this. And like, you know, this was her internship and she had to do it over two her first two albums. And I think that's unfair. I think it's amazing. But I think her voice got lost in it. It still came through. If you're listening mm. to Functified and you understand this, this um, what was happening, then of course you're going to pick up on it because she's very charismatic. But if you're just putting it on and being like, oh, I'm just going to listen to this and, and see what this is like. You're just going to be like, eh, this kind of sounds like doggy style. You know, it kind of sounds like the chronic. It kind of sounds like quick as a name, you know. So it's like, I just think it was a huge disservice to her by trying to, it it was such a short-sighted thing. It was such a short-sighted, quick, Mm -hmm. sugary thing. Like, let's Mm -hmm. cash this wave real quick. Let's hop on this Mm -hmm. wave real quick. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this was her first album. This is her statement. You know, this is... This is when we're being introduced to the the brat to the world. She goes platinum. She goes number eleven, and this is her first impression. And all it sounded like was everything else. And it, it, that's not the brat. We'll find that out as we get later, especially to unrestricted. This is not the brat, you know. So she, yes, she nailed this album. Don't get me wrong; it's a great album, and she annihilates it. But I just felt it was a disservice to her. It's interesting you say that because uh, I feel like that's what people say when it comes to something like uh, an al- another album that actually dropped tonight for uh, Southern Playlistic, um, Outcast, because okay. that album has yeah uh, that al- you you can you can make a case that album sounds very sounds very West Coast as well, um, and you know obviously Andre and Boy Big Boy actually sound you know uh, like themselves, so we don't exactly. I don't know, uh, knock them for it, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of put this album in the same, in the same vein where I can still enjoy it. I can still listen to this album. And, and while I was listening to it, I'm just going like, I swear this is a Dre beat. Like, did he yeah, just steal Dre's hard drive? <laughs> like, <laughs> for real. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the way that JD so was able abusive. to mimic it. Like he did a very it's good so job. Abusive. 
But at the same yeah, time, it's, like, it's, come on, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so abusive. It's, it's so abusive. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's grimy. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, with, with, it, with that said, like, I put that all on Dupree, honestly. Oh, for sure. Um, it's not on Dupree. And, and, yeah, exactly. And I give a higher respect just for, you know, having really solid, uh, solid work, um, just past that. Like, obviously, that is what it is, but um, everything else to me just goes goes off really nice. Like all the all the bars hit nice. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I wish it was longer than nine tracks. To be completely honest with you, uh, but you know the fact that this went platinum, uh, first female to go platinum. I feel like that's a real um, that's an achievement and a half, uh, and can't be understated. Um, so you know I, I can while I agree with you on you know the detrimental aspect of this album and <laughs> it's funny you say that honestly because i feel like the further it goes the more disservice is done um but that's just uh yeah i uh you can make it i don't i don't think it's a. Uh, I don't think like there's a worse case on it on any of them uh i feel like it's the case for all of them to be completely honest um maybe i guess the well, actually, moving on to another tantrum, I feel like that's the one that does the least disservice. I feel like that's the one that's the closest to, uh, to the brat. To be completely honest, that's how, as as, and that's kind of just how I listen to it. I don't know that for a fact, um, but it's just how I. It's just when I listen to it, I feel like it was the most, uh, from a sound perspective. I'm just gonna say because obviously lyrically, this is. I, I feel like it's all authentic in that fashion. I, I'm yeah, fine always, with looking at uh, pretty much always. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. With, I mean, it's this different because yeah. I mean, Debrat would have written most of this, so it is a little bit different to the original. But yeah. I, don't, I don't see the huge lyrical difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like you know, if we're going to say that for Funk the Fight, I feel like we could say that for the rest of them. Um, but you know, if she ever hears this and, feel, and feels like no, no, Dupree wrote it all and he's a prick for it, uh, whatever. But then, uh, you know. For for now, I'll just uh, say it's uh, it's it's, mo- it's mostly her uh, doing, um, and everything else was Jermaine Dupri. That's how I'm gonna say uh, label it. But um, yeah, I feel like another tantrum, um, not to be uh, <laughs> not to be uh, confused with another functified tantrum, which I initially went on, and I was just like, why is this just functified with a couple of more tracks? And then I went to another tantrum. And I was like, oh right, this is the one. Yeah. Uh, so that was, yeah, don't get tripped up weird. on that one, guys. Don't yeah. don't trip don't trip trip up on that one. Uh, go with the blue one. Uh, another tantrum. Uh, you know, drops nine six, etc. etc. Um, and yeah, this is a bit longer uh, with eleven tracks, and uh, you know, obviously has a uh, the the biggie uh, lyrical meditation there. Um, I think there is a B side on the uh, a functified tantrum uh, where like a uh, Biggie and Brat go f- fucking bar for bar and actually slaps. Uh, I forgot the name. I think it's called Side B actually. Uh, go look that up. It's actually a really good track. But uh, we're talking about this out. It's not on this album, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, sitting on top of the world is a is a heater. I feel like it, it, just stuff like that. And uh, I think Get a Love is the one with T Boz uh, from TLC. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I, I I feel like this album is just uh from a sound perspective, I think her, her most uh the most authentic to authentic to her. Um, I don't feel like this uh rides rides the G funk wave as uh, uh ride a wave like Functified did with G funk and like the other uh, uh the other two albums, especially the last album. I'll go with the last album does with uh what the sound was the 2003 at that point. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I feel like this is her most authentic um, in my mind. And that's, and that's just me, you know, estimating. Uh, there's a lot of guesswork here uh, with, the, with this whole thing. But yeah, I, I just feel like the, the confidence here comes through uh, with just such a... It just, it just comes through so nicely. Like, I'm sitting on top of the world. It's just so good. It's the number one contender, so-so deaf member known as Brat. Girlfriend offender because they, uh, they man-sync them all that. Crest in my lap, chronic choking me. Niggas hoping we fall off, but we won't. We won't. All we do is keep fucking up while all you do is keep looking at us. It's just, I don't know, it just it just comes off much more natural to me. And that's uh, and that's for the whole album. Um, I will say Lyrical Molestation is a bit, uh, I mean, as a name of a track is a bit... <laughs> It's a bit of a could have, could have uh, you know put the st- stuck kept that on the chalkboard, but uh, you know that is what it is. Um, I feel I, I feel like because because uh, Puff had a hand in this, I feel like that was him. I just don't know why. I, I just feel like that was. Him. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm assuming, but I just I just I don't know. I just feel it just screams Puff Daddy on that front. Uh, but yeah, I I, I just really I, I this is probably my favorite album. Uh, from an authenticity standpoint, I do feel, I do like Funkified as just a listening experience because I just enjoy G Funk as a sound. Uh, but I feel like this is her most authentic. Uh, but uh, I feel like some people would disagree and say it's the next album. But uh, you know, it's it's I think it's up to interpretation on that front. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the next album. But um, you know, I, sure. I did did like this project a lot more. I felt like. Debrat probably aligns more with Mob Deep or CNN for me. I think the way that she attacks the minimal Wah-wah. beat on the first... Yeah, go, go. You disagree? No, no, I was going to... I just did Wawa. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, what? Yeah, so the way that Wah-wah, she what? attacks the minimal beat on the uh, on the first song, I think that's really powerful and, uh, and confident, you know? And it gets away... It's a way that really gets the listener to buy into the story. I think... The beats were much more aligned with their content from around this time. I think that the weed bars didn't feel forced anymore. You know, nothing felt as forced on this project as it did on the previous album. To me, it felt like on Functify, JD kind of had to tick every contemporary hip-hop box before he let the album be released. You know what I mean? Like, I could have done with uh, just a little bit more. I think that really slipped back into that first album pandering attempt. Aside from that, I think everything here is pretty close to top tier. Its review average is 55. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Received very poorly. Number 20 on the Billboard 200, which is low at the time. Number 5 on the R&B hip-hop chart. Again, I think that the beats were to blame for that, to be perfectly honest. Now, I don't know a lot about Jermaine Dupri as a producer, except this stuff with Jay-Z. But it feels like these early beats are trying to be something else rather than just being JD beats. Like I felt, again, this was a lot of mimicking here. I felt the opening track was Havoc. Uh, My beliefs sounded like early Dungeon Family. Sitting on top of the world sounded like something the Bomb Squad would make. Let's All Get High sounds exactly like a Tupac song. I don't know. uh, It just sounds like it, man. And I think that DeBrat really excels when she's given the space and opportunity to speak her truth lyrically and conceptually okay that's an important part yes lyrically you know lyrically she's on point almost all the time but conceptually you know when she's given the opportunity to talk about the direction of the track to propel the you know from the ground up 
And I think, again, on this project, she was being dragged in directions that didn't feel organic or natural. Again, not to say she didn't annihilate it when she popped up in all those different spaces. Lyrical molest- molestation is a terrible name for a song, but it's it's actually, <laughs> you know, it's a really good song. It, it sounds like a fucking Alchemist beat, but, you know, we know that to be the Havoc sound originally. Um, not saying yeah. that Alchemist stole from Havoc. I'm just saying, like, Alchemist... Well, Alchemist might have even been around back then. When did Alchemist I mean, Q-Tip start? taught Havoc, so... Yeah, well, there you go. Like, we got Q-Tip there. So, prelude for the Q-Tip regiment. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know how old Alchemist is, so he might have been around at this time. So shout out to Alchemist. But, um, you know, this could easily have just had a Prodigy verse on it. I was waiting for Prodigy to pick, pick, pop up. Like, I'm like, Prodigy's going to rap on here. So... What this album, again, showed to me is the adaptability of Debrat. It goes straight back to what I said about an internship. It was like this was the completion of her internship, and she'd nailed every single thing that had been thrown at her. You know, she was on top of all these different beats that were popping at the time, the sounds that were on top at the time, and she just she rode them really, really well. These terrible analogies I'm saying here. She rapped really well on them, so I, I think that she was amazing. Like, I think... So it just... This was a, this was better. It was better than Functified, but it wasn't as good to me as Unrestricted. I felt like Unrestricted was it, man. Like, do you want me? Can I just jump straight into that? Yeah, go for it. Because I feel like this is an unrestricted rapper exploring the peak of their powers, and this pisses me off because it was six years after she dropped her debut, and we finally got to me what I think is her most lyrically and technically profound performance. And, you know, when you look at the guest list, she fucking elevated her performance to match all of these guests. She had Twister, Ja Rule, Mystical, all of them dropped fucking good features. On that first track, man, next to Twister, that surprised me. That's when I knew that DeBrat was something special. You know, Twister does Twister. Twister goes into his cold rapid-fire lyrical onslaught. The crazy thing about DeBrat is she slips in and out of that cadence, that exact same cadence Twister had. But the way that she holds the beat in the palm of her hand, she runs out in front of it, then she trails behind it, she catches back up, she wraps in the pocket. I thought she washed Twister on that, and that's a hard thing to do. Not many people can do that. She just commanded a lot of attention on every single song here. A wide variety of beats. Um, But I think this was JD really coming into his own, you know, as a producer around this time. I really felt like this was some top-tier production here. The way they flip that chorus on We Ready, you know, and she switches from rapping to singing, it's good. It's really good. I think uh, I really want to give JD a hand for the production because I think it's the the best produced Debrat project. Um, And that could be because, you know, I love that early 2000s sound. I always talk about that. I felt like What You Want was like this hybrid of Timberland and Swizz Beats, which is very difficult to do. Back up with Ja Rule has like a really tense energy and Ja Rule elevates that every time he dips into it. Uh, there was that weird time signature on the mystical track. I think they both pulled that off. Um, then they, they transition into running out of time with Kelly Price, which I think any of the male features would have torn that song down. You know, it's a very hard beat. But DeBrat doesn't need anyone to help her shred the beat. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you're not waiting for a feature when DeBrat. You're waiting for DeBrat almost. And that's a rare thing when you've got high-quality features. I think every beat on here gave me a different different flavor, a different vibe. And DeBrat 
manages to match them all. Uh, her voice had this slight nasally quality, you know, and she can slip into melodic cadences mid-verse. Like, what's on your mind? That's a good example of that. Um, she provides her own hooks. She has no no issue with providing her hooks. They're, they're flawless. Her, this is her most commercially successful album easily. Went number five in the Billboard 200, number one R&B hip-hop chart. I want to make the case that this is her defining project. You know, she told Rolling Stone explicitly that mm. she wrote all the verses herself for this. Uh, I feel like that that JD thing about trying to work out how to market her to males, this is exactly what the first album needed to be. Unrestricted needed to be that. I'm not saying that, you know, again, that she, you know, we, we know what happened on the first album. I don't know how she felt about the process. I'm not sure. She, I haven't read an interview where she's talked about how she felt about it. But feeling how cultivated they they were, feeling this one, it, it's kind of like JD just rather than J, this is this is the difference. Rather than JD sitting down and writing out a plan and following it, you know, ticking every single box and making sure everything's followed, it feels like this is a proper rapper project where a producer just gave her a bunch of beats and said, "Do your thing over these, do whatever you want over these." You know, and we hear stories like this really often, where you know. Black album for Jay Z, for example. I always use Jay Z because I know a lot about this stuff. Uh, Ninth Wonder rocking up and giving him, you know, forty beats and just saying, you know, pick your best one. Fade to black. We see him with Timberland. Timberland's just playing random beats. He hasn't he hasn't written these beats for Jay Z. He hasn't got an exact plan for it. He's just like pick your pick the beat that you think you know. Take it in whatever direction you want to want to go. And that's the thing I think finally DeBrat got with this album. And I think that's the thing that all top MCs need. You know, sometimes you do need a little bit of direction. We even saw on Fade to Black when Jay-Z was given a lure by Pharrell. And Pharrell kind of had the makings of that beat and the the concept already in his head. And Jay-Z tapped into it. But most of the time, it's just listening to beats and being like, hey, this is taking me in this direction. This is taking me in this direction. I'm going to put this here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get this hook in. So... Finally, I think DeBrat was finally given this opportunity on this album, and she freaking excelled, man. She absolutely nailed this album. It's a really, really great project. And it just disappoints me that we had to wait till the year 2000 before we got this, you know, six years after. And by that stage, so much had happened in hip-hop that it was like, yeah, she was really commercially successful on this record, but we had a lot of female MCs that had come in the interim and I just, I wish this had come at the debut, you know, I wish this had come at the debut and maybe her legacy would be viewed different, but um, I like it a lot, man. I really love this album. I, I, I feel like I'm going to be a minor, not a wet blanket, but a damp blanket. <laughs> just finally damp blanket, like a, like a little, little wet. Um. Yeah, I, I, I do understand where you're coming from, and like in, in a lot of ways, I do agree. Um, I feel like, for me personally, there's like too many features on here, um, and some of the hooks for me don't ex- uh, don't uh, aren't exactly uh, my cup of tea. I just don't. I, I think something like "Breathe" on them um, could have just been way better to me. Uh, and and pink lemonades, eh, eh, yeah, nah, could 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 have done better with that. Uh, you know, the intro of uh, Twister and Brad just going bar for bar. I remember you hit me up about that. I was just like, oh, looking forward to that one. And yeah, that's as build, uh, you know, banging. Uh, and uh, the 
we ready nice uh, you know it 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 come it goes through nicely but like some of the features kind of uh uh i don't know just like take over a lot um and not in terms of like outshining debrat i feel like there's not enough of i, I that's it there's not enough debrat for me uh for some of these for some of these tracks not the whole thing i think she's prevalent throughout i just think some tracks like just have way too much of like another person and kind of just kills the vibe for me sometimes um but yeah uh yeah it's it is what it is and it's uh it says on the on the tin that it's uh you know most commercially successful and i can certainly imagine why and i completely understand why uh shy town as the last track is very good i really enjoyed that Shout one out kanye. Um, kanye produced that that was one of his early earliest did credits. he really he did yeah Oh, that's, it says on Spotify, Kanye West for Can Man Productions. Okay, <laughs> well, it's probably his early product. He wasn't signed a rock can, at that stage, so Can uh, it's probably Con. Is it Con Man? I would imagine. So. The, I assume it's yeah, like a Con, like uh, Con Man. You know, con, Kanye uh, West. Con okay. Man. Yeah, con, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Kanye West. Like some people say, like some British people say, it fucking creeps out when people say Kanye West. It's like. Ugh. Get away from me, um, but yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't even clock that. Good, sh- good shout. That's that's very, ah, oh, two thousand. Shout to Kanye. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I like that track. Uh, intro. Uh, fuck you. That's what I'm looking for. I like. Uh, uh, all my bitches. Yeah, there's some, there's just some good tracks on here, but uh, I just feel like so some features that just like, uh, I'm just like okay, enough of that. Where's the brat? Like, <laughs> bring bring her back in the forefront, please. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's kind. Of, that's that's me. That's a personal thing, but I completely understand why it was her most uh, uh, commercially successful record. I feel like it's just a a perfect storm of a lot of ways that um, you know she had a few tra- had a few albums under her belt, and you know this was the one that just and you know bring on some features, bring on some big names. You know what I mean? Uh, really go all out for it. Uh, the artwork bangs. I love the artwork to it. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like it's just a perfect one of those perfect storms that you uh, see now and again, uh, and you know it's a, it's a it's a solid piece of work. Yeah, well, we get to a final. Well, it's not a final project. She had a she had a mixtape in two thousand eleven, but I don't really want to speak on that because it was pretty standard. Uh, just her rapping over, you know, instrumentals. Um, but we get to her final studio album, uh, Limelight Love and Nightclubs. Now. This album actually reminded me a lot of Memphis Bleak's final album, 534. Again, another Rockefeller thing, but, you know, I'm always like that. But um, So this Debrat album charted 17, and it felt like the entire world was thrown at it. M.O.P., Mariah Carey, CeeLo Green, Keisha Jackson, Anthony Hamilton as guests. Those are big names. M.O.P. at the time was on fire. Mariah Carey on this album some of the most decadent production you could ever imagine. You know, I, there were actually multiple songs that had Debrat production on here, which I found really fascinating. Um, I felt like this album was meant to be a victory lap, almost. And at the end, you know, all the spoils would reveal themselves. She'd be on the podium. Memphis Bleak's 534 was also his final studio album, released 2005. Uh, 11th on the Billboard 200. On that album, he had Rihanna, Jay-Z, M.O.P., then production from Just Blaze, Swizz Beats, Bink, Ninth Wonder, Coptic. Both albums I really adore. Both albums I'm at a loss to explain why they struggle commercially and critically. Now, I don't think this Debrat album is her opus. 
Uh, I think I'm restricted with that. But it's it's her, you know, it's celebratory for her style and her ability. A track like Boom, for example, uh, in an interview in 2020, she mentioned how much she respected Salt and Pepper. And a song like Boom, which is produced by DeBrat, I feel that's where DeBrat wanted to go on that particular day and with that specific mood. You know, she's she's almost comically confident. You know, she just is, uh, slays this tropical timbo-like beat sitting behind the percussion. Remind me a bit of ju- have juvenile float around this time. So I want to use that as an example to say, like early on in her, her career, it was pretty clear that she would turn up to the studio and she would be told what to do and what to rap and where to rap it and how to rap it and all this shit. By this stage... She was turning up to the studio. She was producing the song. She's like, I feel like I'm in this vibe today. I'm going to make this kind of song. That's a fucking glow up to be, you know, nine years after her first album, 10 years after her first album, she finally got to the place where she could just do whatever she wanted. And I think she got there through both ability and sheer force of will. She wasn't, she didn't allow herself to be, you know, she she was all, it was always the brat underneath it. It didn't matter what you put her on top of it didn't matter what beat she was rapping over or what you wrote for her or the flow you gave her none of that shit mattered man she was always gonna release an album like this where she was just herself and i really respect that man even the even the blatant grabs at commercial relevance felt organic like uh church (laughs) with CeeLo. you know that was produced by brat to brat as well and and she grabs this like halting double time flow over a really chaotic beat and CeeLo sounds, you know, typically unique, but he's outgunned on this, man. And then she gets a bit mushy on I Was The One, another DeBrat production. Uh, that song really resonated. She went quite deep and presented us with a vulnerability that I felt was not that present in her earlier music, either overtly or even covertly. I think songs like this, where she clearly wrote the lyrics herself and produced a song, like, to me, she might have thought this was going to be her final statement. You know, she told an interview in 2003, actually, that she had hundreds of tracks just waiting to drop and that three more albums were recorded and ready to go. And obviously, we didn't get any of those. She also indicated that she chose serious relationship songs for this album to differentiate it a little bit from previous records. And I think this desire to explore a more emotion-based aspect of her life was just, it was not fully realized. This was the beginning, you know, and I think... This album was going to be a gateway album into a new direction. And yeah, I'll talk about what happened after this album, um, after Charlie speaks about it. But yeah, it just, this album left me again, like a little bit wanting a lot more because I really felt like, yeah, she was going to progress. But there's reasons why she didn't. And I'll talk about them in a second. But um, yeah, this is a great album. And it didn't feel like an ending. Yes, it, it, it felt like maybe... It's an okay final, it's a good final statement, but at the same time, it felt like maybe she didn't think this was her final statement. Um, it might not be, you know? So 17 years ago, she might release something again in the future, 18 years ago. That's true, mm. but um, I haven't seen any indication of that, so yeah. Yeah, um, I looking at the looking at the um, lyrics to some of these tracks, I do completely understand where you're coming from of just how... Uh, authentic uh, she is on it and in hindsight I feel like I missed that upon listening to it because the sounds were so 
So 2003. <laughs> oh yeah, but I love that like, man. Oh, yeah, you love it. You, oh. yeah, you love it, bro. Yeah. You. Blueprint you two, love man. It. Come on, this is shit. Shut up. <laughs> Street's disciple, man. Come on. Blueprint two. Blueprint Street's two. Disciple. We're both of them on vinyl. Bro. Yes. <laughs> oh, get over yourself. Get <laughs> <laughs> over. You know, We've done the Jay Red and Put it to bed. Put it to bed. <laughs> oh, shit. leave it alone uh, anyway so yeah while the uh beats are so 2003 and you know uh, uh aren't a cup of tea for one of us in the in this uh, in this uh, <sighs> arena um it, it kind of it kind of blinded me i guess to um the lyrics were actually being shown because um i i completely just blanked over them but like uh you know got a thing for you just absolutely bangs from a lyrical perspective like uh very affectionate very direct when i'm expressing myself i'm fire five my astrology sign is aries thick in my fire 36 b's pretty brown eyes no hair weaves put it down with these luscious suckable lips making you want to reach out and touch him come on and give me a kiss could it be those hips just poking out of my jeans i show them once or twice and some niggas have become fiends it's just great. It's just that just bangs. That's so confident, and obviously Mariah Carey on the hook, which I, uh, uh, which you can't complain about. Um, I will say uh, for some tracks like Church, um, and I, I, I can't. I hate. I hate this title so much. <laughs> gushy wushy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the word gushy. You never liked it. I don't understand. Bruv, nah, gushy wushy. Come on, bro. For adults, let's not do this. Let's gushy. <laughs> Oh man, I'm sorry, man. I'm not like this. It's, it's like when ASAP Ferg said "wee wee." Like I'm not. I'm sorry. Like act your age. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, that's gushy wushy. Like yeah, come on, guys. Let's let's up the let's up the age age a bit. It's ain't, it's ain't Nickelodeon, right? Gushy wushy. Actually, imagine saying gushy wushy on Nickelodeon. That oh, parents would be parents would be going what? Uh, but to be honest, there's uh, there's there's mad sexual shit <laughs> on children's cartoons that people don't clock until they're older. I love that side of life. But anyway, side note. Um, yeah, you know, there are some tracks that um, are so 2003 I can't really get past, like Church and like Gushy Wushy. Um, but yeah, I feel like the first few tracks really, uh, really make this album what it is um, with just what Debrat talks about um, and just how and how she talks about it. Um, who I Am is great. Uh, you know, from world premiere to like maybe who I am, I really enjoy. Uh, boom, I <laughs> the chorus of boom, I fucked your boyfriend, I fucked your man. Uh, could have been better. Could could have been better. Nah, That's just I me. rated that. Um, man. That was that was uh, old school Salt and Pepper style, man. I like that. that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know. Song Pepper was what like ladies. Let's let's update again. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Come on, let's just catch up. Let's catch up. But you know, even but even with that said, I feel like the lyric, the verses to that were really good. Um, especially the end of first one where it's like uh, uh, where, where it's talking about it's uh, the run in my blood make a nigga jump jump. His body was banging. His teeth were pearly white. He had those long strong fe- keen features like Mario Van Peebles. His cheekbones were chiselled. His smile made me sizzle. His cologne had me sniffing on him all the way home. I want to smell this nigga, and I want the, this nigga to smell me. That's <laughs> so it's so primal. I love it. It's so it's so primal. Just smell me. Yeah. Um. It's 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 great. It's just it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um. But yeah, it's a uh, 
yeah, it's 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 2003, so you know that's just um personal docking points, but that's just me. Um, I can see why people enjoy this one, uh, 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 such as Ben. Um, and yeah, so the lyrical content is, you know, could you could say that um in some ways it was her most authentic, um, which I feel like we're harping on a lot. Um, but I feel like there's a just for me personally, I think there's a there's a justification for why I'm harping on. The term of authenticity, because like you said at the start, and I'm I'm using this as a uh, final thoughts to round up kind of thing, uh, as a full circle. Um, you know, you referenced uh, you referenced that way of someone being like an A and R uh, slash mentor slash this slash that to people. You know, Jay and a lot of people, and you know, Puff and Biggie and stuff like that. Um, you know, and a lot of those worked, um, but. There has to, there's something about this um, combination of Debrat and Jermaine Dupree that doesn't that that puts a that 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 makes me makes me want to think, and I just have so many questions about why. And you know, you asked me this, you asked me this question, and you you know, you said yourself answered pretty well. But I do have more questions on top of the one you asked as to um, uh, as to why. Uh, she isn't put in the same pantheon as the Latifas, the Lights, the uh, Kims and them, right? And why she's so underrated and underappreciated. I, I just have a lot of follow-up questions to it. Because looking at this now and looking at... Uh, and just listening to the albums, you know, there's some really good stuff on all of them. Um, there's some really just great lyrical moments there's great just songs in general um the albums are you know all very decent i don't think that there's i don't think none of them are bad quote unquote um you know you can go to the point of just the fact that a lot of the uh, a lot of the production was just like hmm what's the sound of today let me take that and just roll with that um you know you can you can you can say the albums are bad because of that. I will. I won't disagree with you, um, but I just have so many questions as to why. Uh, you know, it's, it, I guess it's the same. I guess you can answer this in some ways because it reminds me of like the of the Jay Rockefeller and the artists behind and the artists in that era, the Memphis Bleaks and all them. Like I know who Memphis Bleak is, but if you put a gun to my head i can't even you already said one of the albums that his last album and it's already gone out of my head like if you put a gun to my head and say name that album right now i couldn't name it because it just goes out it just goes out of my head immediately and you know this can be also something the fact that i'm not new york based it could be that you know if you ask any new yorker what name a memphis beak album they probably could who knows um you know it might be might be that thing about localization it may, it may be that conversation uh, in the addition because you know you were talking about Jermaine Dupri being Atlanta based the Brett being Chicago based maybe it's that front as well um that that possibly could be yeah that, that, that could be it but I just I, I just struggle and have just follow-up questions as to why she was just left to I don't know left in the dust in some way because after this right Jermaine Dupri went on to like do the Emancipation of Mimi, uh, you know Mariah Carey's album. Uh, he did the hits to Confessions, <laughs> um, like huh. he he went off. Yeah. He went off in two thousand. Yeah. Jermaine Dupri like like next to next to Pharrell, 
next to the Rockefeller boys. Like, Jermaine Dupri was right there as the producers that made the 2000s sound of hi- uh, 2000 hip hop sound. Like, he was an integral piece. And then there's the Brett dropping in an album in the 2000, in 2000 and 2003. And then, you know, going on to do other things. You know what I mean? She's, she's made a life for herself. And she, if she's happy, that's great. Um, I think she announced uh, like last year that um, she's a, she came out as a lesbian and that's great um, to think about. I was actually trying to look up a lyric. I don't know if it was on the, la- uh, the last album or, uh, or on uh, this, uh, the third album. Uh, but she did mention something like uh, people uh, questioning to the- uh, questioning to wanting to know if I'm a lesbian. Uh, but that's uh, but that's because they want to fuck me or something like that. I'm paraphrasing heavy, but like, there is a lyric somewhere. I was trying to find it as you were talking, but uh, yeah, you know, obviously that was a th- that was a rumor for for a while, and that's and you know it's uh, it's, it's it's great that she's um, able to be be herself in uh, recent years, and that's great. Um, but yeah, I just have so many like follow-up questions as to like why she was left in the dust in some ways. Was it just um, you know a personal decision? Uh, did Jermaine have no time for her anymore? Because like I said, he was plenty busy um, in, in the two thousands. Um, so I'm I'm just wondering why? Uh, because clearly, and clearly, she had she could have done more. I feel like uh, uh, if she really wanted to. Um, but I'm just wondering whose decision was that to to um, keep the keep the last album being Limelight, Love and Nightclubs. Um, so yeah, but regardless of that, and all those questions aren't le- gonna we're obviously gonna leave unanswered in this fact, unless you want to ask them if you want. Um, but with all that said, um, this is one of those episodes where I feel like you know I thoroughly enjoy these kind of episodes because it's an artist that both of us haven't even. Uh, thought of like indulging in until you know we sorted out what who we're going to do for this month and uh, you know this is one of those ones where uh, you know it's a pleasant surprise and there's always that question of like ah, why was this person not as uh, popular as this other person that we already that we love like she's just as good no 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 like it's, it's the same thing um, uh, with a lot of artists and uh, Debrat is just one of those um, uh, one of those I guess either left to left in the dust in some ways or personally just uh, you know took a step back either way uh, you know she's still doing her things in some ways I think she has like a radio show or something like that now um, so you know and uh, did some TV in the 2000s so and obviously and we haven't even mentioned how uh, heat how many heat features she has um, over the, especially in the 90s she had a mad mad amount of features uh, go peep some of those but um, yeah you know it's a solid career for, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, there's always that question of, like, could there have been more um, in, in this case? And I feel like there could have, but I just don't know whose decision that was. Yeah, I mean, there are extenuating circumstances. Uh, obviously, she was arrested and charged with aggravated assault in the late 2000s, um, sentenced to three years in prison and, and seven years of probation. Uh, she got out 28th February 2011. Then, obviously, she dropped Life After Death, which is a 2011 mixtape to kind of reintroduce herself to the game. But we know that, in hindsight, nothing came to really back that up in terms of a body of work. And it just wasn't the same. The wind had left her sails, I guess, and... You know, she was still active during this period. She popped up on some remixes with Kelly Rowland and Kelly Rowland, not Rowland, sorry. 
Little Wayne, uh, she dropped a web series called Brat Chronicles, which was designed to talk about her experience with prison. Uh, she worked on the Ricky Smiley show as a host. Uh, she's a mentor to young rappers via the show The Rap Game. And we kind of joke about how rappers never truly retire. I don't think DeBrat has, but it's probably time that we normalize them diversifying and moving in different directions. You know, you know, we'd love them to keep making music mm-hmm. and lacing us with, you know, new topics and ideas and concepts. Well, they're just human, you know, like, for example, I only started this statistical stuff in 2016. By 2022, I want to be studying psychology and working in the industry by, you know, maybe 2027. This is essentially like an 11-year career of hip-hop numbers. DeBrat had been dropping product for about 10 years. So that's, you know, 10 years is a long time to stay in a career. As a listener, I'm a little bit disappointed, of course, but I'm not angry or upset. I just saw the potential and was curious to see how it would manifest because we haven't seen a female rapper grow past the 15-year mark in the mainstream yet. And correct me if I'm wrong... But I don't think we have. Now, Queen Latifah diversified into jazz and soul, you know, so I can't really include her. Her later music was was not hip-hop. Little Kim dropped a great project in 2019, but it didn't even chart, and that was 14 years after her previous album. Eve came close, uh, 1999 to 2013, but Lip Lock went 46, and that was 11 years after her previous album. So it's a long hiatus, man. Lip Lock, to me, is like a... MC Light, we haven't gotten to her yet. I don't know what her career arc is. Um, it's from 88 to 2015 uh, in terms okay. of albums. Well, there we go. We got it. We got, you know, MC Light. Um, but, I mean, if we look at us, it's like one, you know, Lauren dipped. Nikki still has the ability to continue, I guess. Missy went eight years. Trina went 10 years. Um, I wanted to see DeBrat bloom into the maturity the way that Jay-Z or Nas or Ghostface or Cube or Snoop or Big Boy or Raekwon or LL Cool J, E-40, Too Short, yeah, Kanye yeah, West, yeah, you know, yeah. there's millions of them, man. It's just there's a lot of male rappers who have done this and we could name one female rapper who did it and that's MC Light. And I think DeBrat was primed for that. She had taken over creative control of her product. She had the fan base to ensure that critical mass needed to define whether an album is truly commercial commercially viable or not was realized you know sometimes you don't have the critical mass you know for example maybe little kim didn't have the fan base that she once had and so her album in 2019 comes out and it doesn't chart that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a good album it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a relevant album it just didn't have the listenership you know um and i think the most important thing about the brat was she had that adaptability that could have seen her exist in just about any space and I guess it's ironic that we arrive back at the initial goal of JD, which was to market to Brat as the female Snoop. Because whilst you might not have predicted at the time, it's impossible to now deny that Snoop is one of the most adaptable and diverse hip-hop artists of all time. There's literally no genre Snoop didn't touch. He has a fucking he has Bible of Love, which is a gospel album. I think, you know, maybe DeBrat wasn't quite at that level. But who knows? Who knows? We don't know. And um, yeah, man, I, I think she was. She did all the hard work. She'd done the hard work. She put all the effort in to build her career. And for whatever reason, it, it petered out into what it is now. And um, I'm sure she's still making money, man. And to me, I feel like she was a pioneer. And 
she existed in a space where th- I think think about this like so many female rappers and I, I don't know this from personal experience I don't know this from tour I just know this from hearing interviews with mainly male label executives they want to market female rappers to men that is the goal that is the goal sexy mm-hmm. female rappers you know Rhapsody's talked about it a lot if you're not showing skin you're not getting sales and Debrat was right in that lane at the at the start, you know. JD wanted her to be that, but he never oversexualized her. She never oversexualized herself. It always felt when she was rapping about that, it felt organic. Now the different sounds that she was rapping over, the different beats, the different subgenres, the different uh, regional areas that she was sounded like, yeah, that wasn't necessarily very organic. But Debrat was always organic. She was always organic, and that was. That's such a valuable thing to still be yourself throughout that whole process. And I think that's pioneering to me. To me, that's pioneering. Now, you know, she, she was in that system and, and she was they were trying to market her to man and she, she stayed herself throughout that whole, whole process. The thing that does disappoint me the most is that basically all you get now when you search for Debrat was her coming out. She actually came out as as bisexual, so she wasn't she's not lesbian, but she's bisexual. But like, I'm like, who the? F- I mean, yeah, okay, it's interesting and it's it's important, and, and you know, people need to to know that it's okay to come out and and to just totally normalize it. But at the same time, like, is that is that all she's known for? Like, I found it really confronting to just every time I was looking for her, it would be a news article about how she came out or an interview about how she came out and. That's her part of her story, of course, but it's not the only fucking part of it, and I, I, that disappointed me a little bit. But um, you know, I don't know who's to blame for that. I would imagine it's just news articles and the way that we view female rappers. It's like their sexuality is always, you know, there were interviews I'm watching and uh, she, they're asking if she ever had a crush on Jermaine Dupri. You know, like this is the kind of sh- you know what I'm trying to say here. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is? <laughs> Bro, what is that? Like, seriously, seriously, that is just the way it was. And she's, you know, maybe she enjoyed that line of questioning. I have literally no idea how she felt about it. But from an outside perspective, it just looked weird. It looked weird to me. Mm -hmm. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we're going to get into this over the next couple of weeks. And certainly when we did the first uh, Women's History Month, I don't know. I wasn't in this headspace that I'm in now, and I'm seeing things from a whole new, different angle at the moment, and it's looking a bit nasty to me sometimes. The way that these female rappers are treated, and and what they're expected, and and what success looks like to them. You know, it looks different to what it looks like for men. It looks different for females. It's like you know that immediately, JD, you have men have to listen to you, or you're not successful. That's bad. I don't like that at all. So um, I think that hampered her early in her career. Uh, but I think, yeah, she's a pioneer because she stayed herself throughout that. And um, I'm really glad we got to do this episode because I never would have known what a talented MC she was. And now I do. And so I can put other people onto that. So, um, yeah, man, shout out to Debrat. Yes, for sure. And we shall leave it at that. And we'll hop in straight into a line note. And Ben, I have a pop pop question. Pop quiz. Well, people say pop quiz, but it's not really a quiz. But just a but uh, a random question. I just uh, thought of. All right. <laughs> in, uh, in the past couple of days, uh, I, I I did ask the uh, insert source boys. So if they're listening, they know uh, why I was uh, why where, where this comes from. 
Um, I won't exactly give it away because it's part of planning for one of their episodes in the next few months. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, who is the Elvis of hip hop? <laughs> Just out the blue. Who is the Elvis of hip hop? <laughs> I have I have one answer. Um, but I want to. I, I just wanted to see uh, off the top of your head, like who comes up, like in in what who Elvis was, and all the connotations that come with Elvis. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know what connotations I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, what who 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 comes to mind to you as uh, the Elvis? It's very. <laughs> before I answer that, it's very interesting discussing Elvis with my friends because I can a, imagine. And Led Zeppelin. Is an interesting he was conversation. A pioneer. <laughs> yeah, Led Zeppelin's an interesting conversation too. And then they say, mm. "Well, can we still listen to Led Zeppelin?" I'm like, "Yeah, you can listen to him, but you got to know where it came from. You know, you got to know mm. where it originally came from." Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I want to say someone like a label person, like uh, what was a okay. fucking NWA guy, Jeremy, whatever his fucking name was. Oh, Jerry Heller. Um, yeah, Jerry okay. Heller, but. It's hard to say Vanilla Ice because <laughs> that was my answer. Because he was shit. <laughs> you know, Elvis was was decent. That's a great point. That was a great point. It's hard to say. That's and then you, 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 your next thought is, you know what? Your next thought is, but it was so much later that it's like there were there were mm. white rappers in between then. Um, mm. But it's got to be Vanilla Ice. I mean, it's just so blatantly blatant. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing that I always find interesting about this conversation is the Beastie Boys. They, they're they never in this conversation. I, and I, yeah. Look, why is that? I'm not saying that they are. I'm not saying that. I wasn't around at the time. I enjoy their music. But I'm curious about that. Yeah, the first ever hip-hop group to go number one. And I always wonder why they're not in that conversation. I've always wanted to leave that particular conversation for the actual uh, retrospective when we get down to that because that's yeah. always something. That's a question I've had for so long, and like I, I've I've just purposely wanted to leave the even potential answer to that because um, I don't actually know. Um, I'm not that it's deep in the Beastie Boys. It's never yeah. addressed, is it? It's never even like it's not even a thing. It's not a question. Mm-hmm. And and that yeah, could be yeah. that's that could be wholly valid. I think it is because I don't necessarily see the exploitativeness or the you know the way that Elvis just took. He just took. Well, there isn't. There is. There isn't. Like, yeah. It, yeah. I think. I think it's because they were just part of Def Jam. I think like because Def Jam was so official. Yeah. Um. Like and so legit. Like it's just you know it's kind of like the the sheen of just like the the stamp of approval that these guys are legit. But um. You know, they they always say when someone like talks about him, it, it's like free Jewish dudes from New York, and like yeah. you know, on the face it just doesn't look right. But um, I guess when we eventually go deeper into them someday, like we'll get we'll that talk answer because yeah. it has to, it has to be. It's not like they've been finessing the whole game for fucking forty years. No, <laughs> I'm no, saying, no. Like, <laughs> so yeah, there must be some sort of uh, definitive answer. But uh, yeah, so what's yeah. the I, I, what, yeah? You you agree with the the vanilla ice? Yeah, that was my answer. That, that was yes. my that was my OG answer because we were talking about it um, again, uh, just off wax, and I was just like, "That's a great question. Who is the Elvis of hip hop? Is there if there is one?" Um, but yeah, that's the only answer I could think of. But uh, the fact that you said because he's because he's doo doo, 
that kind of uh, eliminates a bit of it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of. That's I funny, mean, but, a lot of people are just yeah. going to jump to Eminem because he even called himself that in Without Me. But I really think Eminem sure showed love. He showed love. It, it, you know, he understood his. I I don't know. Look again, again, a white guy from Sydney. I don't know, but from afar, it seemed like he at least understood his place and and. There wasn't that much problematic stuff. He he spoke about. He was really aware of it. He said it repeatedly on wax. He's like, you know, mm. let's do the math. If I was black, I would have sold half. I wouldn't have to graduate from Lincoln High School to know that, you know. And he had a song called "White America." And I don't know, man. It, to me, that seems like he he kind of knew what he he was doing, and he understood his place. I don't know if that 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 that's true, but it, it seemed like it from afar. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I guess so. Uh, you're more knowledgeable on all that front, so uh, I'll defer oh, to you on that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, about it's a fascinating. Me, I don't know if I know shit, but like I just going off his lyrics. That's all. Well, yeah. Well, I'm saying you, at least you can reference lyrics. Like, <laughs> so, you know, there's a hierarchy in this fashion. But you know, I'll I'll, I'll 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 defer to you on that front. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, which I finished there. Uh, from the Fifth End Podcast Network. It's been digging digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Tain of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. He's back and better than ever. Uh, we hope you all have a good week. We hope you enjoy this foray into Women's History Month for about to embark on. Uh, strap in. Who we got uh, next week? Next? Oh, we got Ma- we got Mary. Got Mary. Mary J. The Queen. Which is actually the... which is She's... actually uh, officially technically our hundredth episode. But yes. Um, uh, but uh, that's by that's by numbers. But obviously, uh, we had the, the five VPN special, which is technically not an episode. But anyway, uh, the queen. Uh, but yeah, we get the queen just on our hundredth episode, man. Fuck yes, yeah, hit for that, hit for that. Can't fucking wait. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece and video games by bonus points. Place a drill records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and drill records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time as we celebrate Moon's History Month on Digging Digits.